love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. Hey, Freak Family. Welcome back. It sounded like you were doing like a 1980s like call-in show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Tonight we're talking about your sexual habits and does it affect your dog? Passaic, New Jersey, you're on the air. <laughs> hey, listen, a couple of episodes ago, I did a segment on Salvador Dali mm-hmm. and got an email from our, our good friend, Lindsay, who is, uh, he's a big time voiceover guy. He's amazing. And he's, we love him. He's done stuff like uh, McDonald's and NBC News and things like that. And if you're looking for a VO guy. He is that VO guy. In fact, that VO guy.com. He said, uh, I just heard the boo on Dolly. I wish I had known that one was in the pipeline. And then he tells the story because he used to be like a big wig over at Disney mm-hmm. years ago. And he said he was interviewing John Hench, who is a legendary uh, Disney animator. Mm-hmm. He says, he told us a story about working on Fantasia in the late 30s before the 1940 release. While Disney sent him to Spain to ask Dali if Dali would contribute something to Fantasia. I didn't know that. It never happened, but it did ultimately lead to Destino. So Hench gets on a plane to uh, Catalonia. He finds his way to Dolly's studio. Dolly is showing Hench around his place. Easels of works in progress. Other pieces finished, but with no plans for display or sale. Hench said it was all jaw-dropping. Some of the weirdest stuff he'd ever glimpsed, row upon row. After an hour or so of looking at uh, the concept stuff that Dolly himself thought was too weird to release... Hench turned to Dolly and said, Pardon me for saying so, but some people would think you're crazy if you can create this kind of art. Dolly laughs and says, Crazy people are stuck in a room they can't get out of. I go into the room in the morning and then find my way out in the afternoon. What an amazing (laughs) story. Thanks, Linz. 
Appreciate you letting us share that. That's awesome. All right. The Box of Oddities, True Stories of the Weird. You go first. What do you got? Okay. So we didn't discuss, as we normally do, the dark to light ratio. Ah. Um, so normally, if you're doing something super dark, um, I'll try to lighten it up a bit or vice versa. But we didn't have that conversation no. today until a couple of minutes ago. And turns out we both went dark. Yeah, it's dark on dark. Womp womp. So here we go. In 1972, Battersea Park in London, England, was the scene of what's widely considered the worst roller coaster disaster in history. Ooh. Well, don't sound happy about it. People died. Yeah, but roller coasters. Okay. <gasps> Let me do that again. Then. Okay. Okay. I got it. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Say it again. In 1972... Battersea Park in London, England, was the scene of what's widely considered the worst roller coaster disaster in history. Ooh. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that in. Yeah. That was gold. Thanks. I mean, that was gold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> the ride in question was the Big Dipper, a three car. Wooden roller coaster built in 1951 as the main attraction for the park's new fun fair, and it was very, very popular. In the, the late afternoon of May 30th, 1972, 31 people climbed aboard the coaster, but the lift chain on the first incline prematurely released at the top of the first incline, sending the cars plummeting backward Ooh, no. down the hill and into a very sharp turn. In spite of the brakeman, or brakeman, I'm not sure, trying his best to stop the the trains from moving backwards, um, it gathered speed, and the back carriage jumped off the rails and crashed through a barrier with the other two carriages crashing on top of it. Oh, no. Oh, that's awful. Five children were killed. Oh. And 13 others were injured in the accident. Afterward, the park manager and the coaster's engineer were charged with manslaughter, mm. though they were cleared at the trial. But the accident was pretty much the beginning of the end for the coaster and the park. After the accident, the Big Dipper was closed and dismantled. With a lack of main attraction there, the popularity quickly declined. The rest of the fair was closed just two years later. It was not, though, the first incident with the Big Dipper. The year that it opened, 1951, an empty car derailed and knocked over a protective railing, which stranded passengers in the other cars. And then in 1968, another crash gave a woman broken arm. So there mm. had been yeah. issues before, and it was kind of ignored, which is, I think, why those charges were filed, yeah. um, but not, not followed through on. This was a wooden coaster. You said, right? Correct. A, a lot of roller coaster enthusiasts, the roller coaster purists, prefer the wood coasters because they sway and mm -hmm. creak and, you know, there's there's a certain mystique to that. But I will bet, I don't know for a fact, but I bet if you went and looked you looked up roller coaster accidents, the vast majority are, are on wooden coasters. You would think so because wood, well, I don't have to explain why. You get it. It's wood. <laughs> um, so this was the Big Dipper, yeah? In Nebraska, in 1930, there was a Big Dipper as well. It was at Krug, Krug Park. It was in Omaha. 
And in July of 1930, a brake malfunction on this Big Dipper caused several cars to fall 35 feet to the ground. 19 people were injured and four people died. So apparently, Big Dipper, as far as roller coasters go, Mm. just avoid it. Don't go on one. Anything named Big Dipper. Exactly. Omaha actually passed a law banning roller coasters within city limits after that accident. No kidding. I'm not sure if it's still in place, but wow, I don't know of it's any okay. Omaha it, roller coasters. <laughs> it's okay to die on a roller coaster outside the city limits. Right. Okay. I have, however, been to the Henry Dooley Zoo. Okay. <laughs> that's in Omaha? It is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, though. That's my right. bad. On May 26, 1985, a 29-year-old man was killed while riding the Cyclone. Is that in Lincoln? Was that at Lincoln Park? Was that the name of the place, Lincoln Park? I was on that roller coaster. Not when, when it, it happened. No, not when it happened. Not when it happened. I went on it in 1974. I was a kid visiting my uh, my cousins down in uh, Fairhaven, Massachusetts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And and so I was kind of thinking maybe that would show up on your list if you're doing roller coaster disasters. Uh, so I was looking it up just to make sure I got my facts straight. Okay, here's the article. Actually, you know, the name of the uh, roller coaster at Lincoln Park was The Comet. And the accident happened on September 29th, 1987. The braking system on the roller coaster failed, causing one of the cars to jackknife. And uh, it uh, it closed shortly after that. I rode on it in 1974 and it was kind of, it was a wooden coaster and it was rickety. And I remember going down the first hill thinking, I'm going to die. Well, I'm glad you didn't. And I'm glad I didn't either. Okay. So that one's not on your list. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, so I, I added another one to your list then. There's a bonus roller coaster accident for you. <laughs> no, the, the cyclone was in um, Coney Island. The Coney Island Cyclone, better known as the Cyclone, which I thought was funny because, well, yeah, what are you going to call it? Bert? Kevin. In 1985, a 29-year-old man was killed while riding the Cyclone in Coney Island um, because he stood up and struck his head on a crossbeam. While the thing was moving? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Um, And in doing this research, I discovered that... um, a lot, I would say the majority of incidents involving roller coasters specifically, but most amusement park rides are of employees. And it's something they've gone to address some sort of issue. Something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. They die. Coming up quickly upon employees fixing something is people standing up on roller coasters. People doing stupid shit. Yeah. I dropped my hat. I'm going to go get it and get decapitated, oh. which actually happened. Oh, my God. And it's horrible and terrifying. But, I what? mean, there were security fences, and that's why. What, what kind of a hat? Not sure. Hmm. Not sure. It must have been nice. On August 23rd, 1988, a 26-year-old man was killed after falling from the Cyclone. The man was a maintenance worker, and he was the only passenger riding at the time. Um, and it appears as though he had taken his lunch break and was just on a ride by himself. People said that they saw him standing up on the ride. Oh, man. So is this is a different Cyclone? No, this is the, this same, is the same Cyclone. Same one. Okay. So there have been numerous deaths on the Coney Island Cyclone. Yes. Okay. In <clears throat> July of 2007... 
A 53-year-old man suffered several crushed vertebrae in his neck while riding the cyclone. Mm. Now, that's just from having ridden it. That's not it crashed and something went wrong. He just rode it and his neck broke. So did, did he, do we know, did he have some sort of osteoarthritis in the neck or some weakening of the joints not or something? Not just was stated. Okay. He just, his vertebrae broke and he had to have surgery and then he died oh uh, due God. to complications of surgery. No kidding. Um, there are a large number of people that I read about that died due to pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are lots of warning signs. You know, if you have heart conditions, if you're pregnant, blah, blah, blah. Um, there was one man that I read about who had passed away after riding a, a ride in the Bush Gardens in Tampa, which we were just at last year. Yeah, that's right. We were. Um, he passed away but he was a very very large man very tall very big man um who had previous heart conditions Mm. and he just got off the ride and then died oh no which um that to me is scarier than something going wrong with the ride and like me falling out of it and crashing to my death the idea that it could just kill me because my body can't handle it that's scarier. That is pretty terrifying because you don't see that coming. No, no. You're all like, oh, that was fun. I'm enjoying myself. Let's get a... <laughs> that was lovely. That was quite lovely. I was going to say a slushy, but I couldn't because I died. I get it. Here's a nice one. Okay. On June 24th, 2017, a 14-year-old girl from Delaware fell approximately 25 feet on a ride. She had slipped under the chair's safety bar while the ride was in motion, but they did spot that it was happening, so they stopped the ride immediately. And other park visitors gathered underneath the ride to catch her. Oh, my God. Which they did. Oh, no. She ultimately fell to the group of visitors below her. 14. Oh, my God. And um, a a 47-year-old man did receive a back injury during that incident because she fell into the group of people, but they they just gathered underneath to break her fall. So she wouldn't fall to the ground. She fell into a group of people who are just trying to help. And I just think that's the sweetest thing. Like, you're not going to catch a woman. I mean, you're just... that's. But They're they're heroes. They're so wonderful. And it just gave me the feels hardcore... um, the passenger didn't receive any serious injuries. She did pass out while oh, she was sure. falling out of the thing and into the group of people, and they brought her to the hospital, but she didn't receive any serious injuries. Park officials stated that there didn't appear to be a malfunction of the ride, but it was closed, you know, to check it out mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and such. But it just seemed like she just slipped underneath oh the gosh. bar. She was a tiny little girl and just... Whoop. Boy, you know, when, when you hear a story like that, especially... In today's society, which is so fucking divisive, mm. you know, where it's like, well, if you're not on my team, then you're wrong. Right. There, there, it's everything's black and white. There are no shades of gray. There are no, there's no cooperation. When you hear something like that, it does kind of restore your faith in humanity. It does. It does. And I know I see online so often Something goes horribly wrong. Someone loses something. Someone gets hurt. Something. And then immediately people go, well, it shouldn't have been. And these people were just like, what can we do? Yeah. I'm on the way. More of that, please. Yes, please. 
Anyway, that's my last one because it was so super sweet and I, I loved it. And I figured I could only talk about fun things killing children so much. Yeah, only so much. Yeah. Sure, sure. It's just, I don't know, I find it fascinating because there's such a a sense of levity and enjoyment yeah. and glee It's involved. the juxtaposition of, yeah. hey, this is going to be a fun, great, exciting time. Oh, my daughter's dead. You know. Yeah. It's 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 just darkness and light yeah. together. So I, I get what you're talking about. I'm fascinated by that sort of thing too. The uh, amusement parks in general, abandoned ones especially, sure. but um, stories like this, as tragic as they are, I have to admit, they hold fascination for me. Yeah, that's all. We were going to call this segment Kevin, but it didn't do well in focus groups. So now we call it That Thing in the Middle. Today's Thing in the Middle, inspired by real-life situation for us, and that's strange habits that we discovered each other had once we started living together. Yeah. Like, for example, when Kat yawns, she yawns the Star Spangled Banner. I don't do that. I love that about you. You're quirky and fun. Well, you know, what is interesting that you do is you come to a complete stop before making a right-hand turn. <laughs> That's true. I'm, oh, I'm a very cautious driver to the point of lunacy. <laughs> <laughs> so here are some weird habits that uh, people discovered their spouses had after they uh, got married or started living together. Number five. My husband gets in a bad mood because of wind. <laughs> oh, well, maybe he messes up his hair. Even when he's inside, though. Oh, God. All caps, every period, single period, time period. What? I don't know. Why would you get mad about that? I don't know. And how? Like, like literally, how do you get mad about that? Like, oh, that wind. Oh, I, oh I'm I, so I, angry. Uh. I don't know. Number four. If it's dark enough, she sleeps with her eyes open. Oh I have woken up too many times to her staring at me and then me screaming and waking her up. Oh my God. <laughs> Number three, my husband tears little pieces of newspaper off and chews them. I'm, I'm, no. I'm not certain if he swallows then. Sometimes when I'm reading the paper, he'll ask me for a taste. <laughs> okay. That you don't know where that's been. No. Number two. My girlfriend has a habit of singing on the toilet. Like, even when she wakes up in the middle of the night to use it. No idea why. Not sure I want to know. And number one. Every time my husband pees, he flushes the toilet mid-pee in an attempt to race the flush. <laughs> that is such a guy thing. That's fun. It's weird and I've never asked him why he does it. Well, I think we all know why. He's raising the flush. Oh, I'm faster than this American standard. Take that, Moen. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Let's talk about things that I'm good at. What are you good at? Excuse me? Well, I mean, you, you're good at a lot of things. Which things are you referring to? Because you're so good at things. I'm good at parallel parking. Yes. Yeah, but much better than I am. I can't think of anything That's else. pretty much it. Um, you know what I'm not good at, though? What? Historically, remembering to take my vitamins. Yeah, but not anymore. You've been really good. And so have I. It, it, I'm like the laziest guy in the world, but I remember to take all my vitamins, and I take several. And it's because of Care Of. Yep. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs 
right to your door. Now you take a little uh, online quiz, which is fun. It's just click, 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 and they want to know about you. Yeah, it's like a questionnaire. They want to know about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It takes like five minutes, but it finds out what it needs to get you the vitamins and supplements specifically for your fancy body. And trust us, your body is fancy. It could be fancier though with the proper vitamins. For example, in my case, among other things, I have a vitamin D deficiency Mm -hmm. and that's addressed in my vitamin pack. And the packs come personalized. They have your name right on it and a little uh, interesting facts. Here's one. I I saved this. I wanted to, this is the kind of thing that you'll get. Uh, Today's fact, this is in my little care of packet. Some experts believe the human eye can distinguish up to 10 million different colors. 10 million? Isn't that fascinating? It really is. Meanwhile, my vitamin packs are almost entirely geared toward making my gut work right. Yay! And up until now, your gut's been stupid. (laughs) From what you tell me. They've got uh, vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. They offer pre- and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. And this is cool, too. You can track your progress with the Care Of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. It's so easy to take your vitamins. You get this little pack. I get like maybe, I think it's like five different vitamin supplements in this pack. Mm -hmm. I don't have 85 different bottles of supplements and have to sort them all out. It's all right here for me. It's the way to do it. So get your Cara vitamin packs made specifically for you and get 25% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code box special offer just for our uh, freaks here at the box of oddities take care promo code box get 25 percent off your first month of personalized care of vitamins start taking care of yourself it's easy care of see what you did there that's beautiful love you care of more fun than a civil war reenactment without the smell of fried chicken sweaty wool and sunscreen this is the Box of Oddities. So, you know, it's a bad day when you start developing uh, lumps around your groin the size of eggs, and then they turn black and start uh, spewing blood in pus. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then in your armpits and in your neck. What? Oh, p- posies. Is yeah. that it? You're on the right track. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the Black Plague. I'm talking. You're talking about the Black Plague. I'm talking about the Black Plague. The bubonic plague, the black death, the great plague, the black plague, or just the plague, according to Wikipedia, was one of the most devastating pandemics in human history, resulting in the deaths of an estimated 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia. Yeah, in Eurasia and uh, peaking in Europe between 1347 and 1351. So for four years, there were just piles of bodies everywhere. Bring out your dead. It's exactly right. Um, I'm sorry, could you repeat those numbers for me real quick? 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia died due to the Black Plague. The bacterium Yersinia pestis was the result of several forms of the plague, not just the bubonic, but several forms. The plague created a series of religious, social, economic upheavals, which had profound effects on the course of European history. It was thought to have started in Central Asia and then traveled along the Silk Road, reaching Crimea in 1343. And from there, it most likely was carried by Oriental rat fleas. 
um, living on black rats that, of course, were passengers on merchant ships and spread throughout the Mediterranean and then into Europe. It's estimated that it killed 30 to 60% of Europe's total population in four years. Holy shit. Can you imagine that? No. Unbelievable. Now, it took 200 years for the world population to recover to the previous level. There were reoccurring outbreaks in Europe right up until about the 19th century. Contemporary accounts of the plague are varied or imprecise. The most commonly noted symptom was the appearance of buboes in the groin, in the neck, in the armpits. They were um, swollen and infected lymph nodes. They would grow to the size of an egg and soon began to propagate and spread itself in all directions indifferently after which the form of the malady began to change. It would turn into black spots, or in some cases, rashes, which were called roses or rosies. Oh, I thought the lumps were called posies. No, rosies. And that became kind of slang for people who had the plague at the time. They were rosies as well, because of the rash, that sort of thing. In fact, most people have heard the children's nursery rhyme, Ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. And probably most people have heard that that references the bubonic plague. Ring around the rosies, the kids would dance around the dead bodies. Pocket full of posies, they used flowers to mask the smell of the decomposing bodies and the horrible fluids that were emitted. Okay. Ashes, ashes, they would burn the bodies in many cases. We all fall down. Now, that's disputed. Because the earliest reference we can find of that being attributed to the Black Plague was right around World War II. It doesn't show up in history anywhere else. It's a cool story. Sure. But there's no proof that that's actually the case. I thought that that was the case, that that Ring Around the Rosie was about the the bubonic plague. Mm -hmm. And the the pockets full of posies was like your, your sacks of puffy... Blood spewing. Pus modules. Pus modules. I yeah. thought those were your pockets full of posies. I thought that's what that, that's not the case. It referenced flowers because, first of all, the smell was awful. Sure. I mean, it was even before they started stacking up right. thousands of dead bodies. I mean, just a regular one person smells pretty bad most of the time. Well, back then they didn't bathe much. In fact, they were encouraged not to bathe during the plague because they thought that, that would the dirt would insulate them from... Mm-hmm. From the disease. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the posies, Sorry. because of the smell, they uh, they would carry flowers around, uh, little nosegays, so that they wouldn't have to smell the decomposing dead bodies. And it started with the grave diggers, which, by the way, was a thriving vocation in those days. Sure. So they would carry these flowers around. And then the doctors, you've probably seen pictures of the uh, plague doctor's masks with the big beak, mm-hmm. the horrifying big beak that's made out of leather. Those were, the beaks were filled with flowers. That's why they they had those to mask the smell. But not just masking the smell. The belief was that the plague was caused by foul odor. They didn't realize, of course, germs and bacteria right. and you know, that sort of thing. But they did notice that it happened a lot where things smelled bad. Right. So they thought it was foul air is what caused it. Now, once they started developing these buboes, these uh, nodes, um, they would discharge. And once that happened, the belief was death was imminent. But that's not always, that was not always the case. Oh. 
Some people actually had the plague and did survive even without antibiotics or anything back then. But usually it was followed by acute fever, vomiting, and blood. Most victims died two to seven days after the initial infection. Freckle-like spots and those red rashes that we talked about mm-hmm. would uh, would appear. But they think that that may have been caused more from the flea bites than the actual disease itself. So what was an average day like for a person who lived during that time? Well, an eyewitness to the plague wrote about it. Boccaccio was an eyewitness to the plague. He wrote uh, dismissively of the doctors who had no clue how to cure the disease. Mm. They would just walk around in their scary beak masks and tell people, you don't look well. And then they would quarantine them. (laughs) And by the way, the word quarantine was originated during the Black Plague. Really? Yeah. So you'd wake up in the morning and you'd look outside and you'd see that the pile of bodies got higher every day. This went on for four years. First thing you'd do is you'd go out and you uh, you would buy flowers. That's the first thing you would do. In order to mask the the horrible odor. So the flower industry is doing well. Yeah, as well as the grave digging industry. Then you would have your friends check your body for buboes. If they didn't find any, okay, good. That's a good thing. During the Black Death, Europeans knew the disease was contagious, even if they weren't exactly sure how it, uh, it spread. It seemed to transfer the sickness to anyone by touching the clothes or objects, is what Boccaccio had to say. And so it was discouraged handling the victims. Mm. But if you were a grave digger, how do you avoid that? They would use pitchforks <sighs> and things like that to just uh-huh. pitch them into the graves. Oftentimes they burned them. Oh, I just keep, I, oh. well, mm, because you're, you're pitchforking bodies that have pus nodules all yep. over them. Yep. And oh, God. It's just shooting everywhere. Now, what was another popular scapegoat for the plague? Well, that would be the Jewish community. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Jews were accused of poisoning the wells to infect people with the plague. They got to the point where they would capture accused Jews and torture them until they confessed and then uh, burn the innocent Jews alive. Well, that makes me so sad. Others just decided, you know... I'm probably going to die, so I'm going to live it up. So not only was the grave digging uh, industry booming, but so were brothels. Oh, yeah, which seems like a horrible idea. Yeah, especially if you're encouraged not to bathe and you've got pus pockets all over you. Uh, It's just not a place to go, really, I don't think. No, and I feel like why is anyone living in a area with other humans? I would just tootle on out to a cabin yeah. in a field somewhere. Right, right. Catch y'all later. There was an entire village that did that during the plague. They said, nope, no one in, no one out. And they quarantined themselves and they survived. A very high percentage of them survived. That yes. sounds like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Shyamalama ding dong. Shyamalama ding dong. Here are some quick facts. Cats and rats were infected, but dogs were not. Interesting. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Shakespeare witnessed the terrifying consequences of the Black Plague. All right, that helps my brain with timeline. Yep, yep. A lot of people thought that uh, the plague was punishment from God. Mm-hmm. One of the first plague doctors was Nostradamus. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. One of the most common treatments for the buboes was urine and dung. They would just rub that right on the, oh, on the, sure. on the pussy... Yeah. The theory behind that was they thought that the bad odors would scare the disease away. That was actually the thinking behind it. I that. thought the bad odors were the disease. Yeah, it was a real conflict there, for sure. 
There was some confusion. Wooden coffins were painted with a red cross to show that the bodies inside had died from the plague. Mm. There was another great plague outbreak in London in 1665. That was the last widespread plague in England. It killed around a quarter of London's population back then. Black Death was used as an early form of germ warfare. So like people would use I guess that they would they would pe- use infected rags and things and <sighs> that's vile. Or or throw dead bodies at mm. other people. Yeah, probably not that. A treatment for the Black Death back then is still popular today. Schnapps? I don't think they had that back then. Maybe they did. I could be wrong. Aromatherapy. You know, they use the flowers and everything. Oh. And today they do a form of uh, aromatherapy that actually has a therapeutic, different reasons why they did it, but same the same type of treatment. I'm sorry, to treat the plague? Like we still do that? Yeah. Yeah. They use aromatherapy today. For the plague? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. As well as antibiotics and that sure. sort of thing. <laughs> I actually know a guy who got the plague. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. What? He was he was nursing a uh, injured squirrel back to health in uh, Minnesota. Two years ago. Uh-huh. About 10 years ago. Yep. And the squirrel gave him the plague? He got he got it, I guess, from a flea or something. I don't know. But that's, yeah, that's what he said. It's still around. It's still out there. Well, it, no, I know, but... It still kills a handful of people every year. That's incredible. The plague is now less fatal than it used to be, obviously. Sure. In 2012, the Black Death was reported in Oregon and Colorado. I think if now the plague became a thing and uh, our ways of dealing with things were still like the way that they were back then like you know we're trying to avoid getting the plague by staying away from bad smells and and such right like people would just be scurrying to to malls to go into a lush (laughs) yeah i'm safe here you can't get me i'm sniffing bath bombs (laughs) i'm immune the bubonic form of the plague as opposed to the pneumonic plague causes the body's flesh to die turning it into a acral gangrene. There's a picture of some guy's hand. Yeah, it looks like frostbite. I was just going to say that. It does look like frostbite. Yeah, totally black. That's awful. Why, um, maybe you don't know this, but what makes certain parts become affected rather than other parts? Like why were his fingertips all blackened like that, but not his ear, you know? Maybe it has to do with blood flow. I, I don't know. Oh, maybe. I'm yeah. not sure. Extremities. It would make sense, I guess. Sure. It's funny that you're, that's your topic today, because we were just discussing today um, how often we bathe and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. how we couldn't have done it back in the day, though we probably would have been safe. So yeah, it was a weird time medically, you know, when the doctor says, here, um, here's what we're going to do. You've got these open, pussy, bloody running sores. Uh, don't wash it and rub some poop on it. Mm. And here are some flowers. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Yeah, because they had a leather beak mask on. Yeah. It would sound more like that. Like beak nose Stradamus. Jokes. So anyway, Black Plague, it's bad. For sure. I'm... I've learned, I learned things just now, and I appreciate you. Do you know that uh, there was a village that was, it seemed to be somewhat immune to the plague, and it wasn't because they had quarantined themselves. They were exposed to it like anybody else at the time, mm-hmm. but a very small amount of people there were infected and died. And so recently they exhumed graves of the villagers from that time period, And what they learned was there was a lot of inbreeding Mm. in that village. 
So they shared a lot of the same DNA and there was a certain difference in their DNA that made them more immune to this type of bacterium. That is the basis for a screenplay. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I love stuff like That's that. That's very cool. I mean, not the inbreeding part. No, no. I mean, oh, it, you know, I mean, I mean whatever, whatever floats whatever. your boat. I don't care. Just, I mean, because of the the yeah the offspring. That's my sure. concern. Right. So the box of oddities is twice a week. Our email is curator at theboxofoddities.com. Thanks for all the great messages and posts and comments. Uh, you can find us on the social media pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads, Twitter. Um, Bathroom stalls. Sure. I saw a box of oddities sticker on a pus nodule. <laughs> no. That's, that's gross. I did see a box of oddities sticker on the back of a Jeep, though. That was the first time I've seen one of our stickers on a... Ooh, out and about. Out and about. Did you see the photo that someone sent us of the van with the Ask Gas or Grass <laughs> sticker on it? Yes. <laughs> that pleased me. <laughs> we had mentioned that in a previous episode. And somebody actually found one, which so, is hilarious. I want all the pictures of Ask Gas or Grass stickers and also Box of Oddity stickers. Mm. Um I would say that stickers are the thing that we sell the most of yeah, on our merch that. page. And um, I want to see them. I would say, yeah, stickers and then T-shirts and then the coffee mugs seem to be pretty popular, too. We had yeah. a, just had a, uh, an email that came in today. It said that a uh, guy said that he bought his girlfriend some Box of Oddities merch for her birthday, Aww. which isn't for another 12 days. But when she saw it come in the mail, she opened it up. <laughs> she was she was pretty excited about it so yeah those are the more popular items much more popular than our box of oddities toilet o-ring that's just ridiculous what were we thinking box of oddities twice a week hope you have a good week we're looking forward to seeing you on thursday until then keep flying that freak flag fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast on Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. 
join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.